Today we look at the part of the Christmas story where an angel announces the birth of Jesus to shepherds outside the village of Bethlehem. It it is found in the second chapter of Luke. I'm going to be reading Luke 2, verses 8 through 10. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who who was lying in in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, let's, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Dear dear Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity to share and to share uh, the good news of Christ our Savior coming into the world. God, I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. And and God, that that we will know that this is good news. This is good news for all people. And so God, work in these moments. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Earlier this year, in response to the coronavirus pandemic and the anxiety that came from it, the actor John Krasinski asked a simple question. Why has there never been a news show dedicated entirely to good news? And so he decided to put together an online video show simply titled SGN, which stood for Some Good News. The program focused on inspirational and positive news stories. And to John's surprise, this simple informal show received 71 million views. I mean, people were obviously hungry for some good news during this pandemic. And and I believe that people are still hungry for some good news. I mean, let's face it, 2020 has been a trying year for all of us. And and so we need some good news. Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. Good news for all of us. As a matter of fact, God's angel called it good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Look again at the message the angels shared with the shepherds that first Christmas. Luke 2, verses 10 through 12. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. 
This will be the sign to you. You'll you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We don't really know anything about these shepherds other than what Luke records here. He tells us that they were watching over their sheep that night. A task that they had done for almost every evening of their lives. But, but this night, th- this night was unlike any other night they have ever had. And the message that they heard was unlike any other message. First the angels told them that they didn't need to be afraid. And then he said that he had some good news of great joy for everyone. And then he shares the good news. A Savior had been born that night in Bethlehem, the city of David, and he was Christ the Lord. The the Greek name Christ used here is the same as the Jewish name Messiah. I mean, the angel is basically telling these shepherds that the promised Messiah had been born. The Jews had been looking for their Messiah for centuries. These shepherds were Jewish men. They had grown up learning from the rabbis all these promises that God had made of a coming Messiah. Promises scattered throughout the Old Testament. But it had been 400 years. 400 years since the final book of the Old Testament, the prophecy of Malachi, had been written. For 400 years, the Jews had heard nothing from God they heard, heard nothing about the Messiah. And I'm sure that in Jesus' day when he came, they were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. However, that night in Bethlehem, the promised Messiah came. I mean, you talk about good news. I mean, that would have been great news for these shepherds. To think that they were the first to hear the news of the Messiah's birth. And again, I want you all to know that the Messiah's birth is great news for us also. It is good news of great joy that will be for all, for all the people. And so if you're in need of some good news today, I've got some good news for you. There is good news fulfilled in Christ our Savior. And let me share with you four inspirational and positive news stories. The the first news story... The first good news story is is that God told Satan about an offspring of a woman who would ultimately crush him. I I know that doesn't sound very positive, but it ends up a positive story. It is a story that happens back in the beginning after Adam and Eve had sinned and eaten the forbidden fruit. God cursed the serpent, Satan, for leading Adam and Eve into sin. And as part of his curse, the Lord made it clear that Satan would ultimately be defeated. We we find this prophecy over in in Genesis 3.15. It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel." This is thought to be the first prophecy of a coming Messiah in the Bible. It says that there will be a spiritual struggle between the serpent and the woman and her offspring. A spiritual struggle between Satan and people. But in the end, the offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head and destroy him. 
while the best the serpent could do was to strike the offspring in the heel and injure him. This prophecy was fulfilled in Christ our Savior. The serpent, Satan, did his best to try to destroy Jesus, the offspring of the woman. He used King Herod to try to kill him as a baby. He tempted him. Satan tempted him to sin in the desert. He also had the people of Nazareth try to stone him. Satan seemed to be finally successful when he had Jesus crucified. I mean, it looked like for a couple days that, that, that the serpent Satan, Satan had won over the offspring Jesus. And then Jesus arose from the dead victorious over Satan and death. And it is in his death and resurrection, Jesus also won victory over sin and death for those who would believe in him. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 says it so powerfully. It says, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die... And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who would live their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That was a part of Jesus' mission as a human being. He came to die. He came to break the power of the devil who had the power of death. That means that Christians, as Christians today, we have no reason to be fearful, fearful of Satan or death, because Satan and death were defeated by Jesus on the cross. Does that mean then that we don't have a spiritual struggle with sin and Satan? We do. Does it mean then that we won't have to die? We will. Our struggle with sin and Satan will continue. But the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, through that power, we can be victorious. Victorious in life and victorious in death. Remember Jesus' words to Lazarus' sister, Martha, after Lazarus had died. He he, He told her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, do you believe it this morning? We ought to. See, the death, death for the Christian, is not the end of life. Instead, it is the beginning of a new eternal life with God, all because Christ our Savior And all because of his victory over Satan and death. And that is, that is good, good news. The the second good news story is that Jesus, our God, promised Abraham an heir that would eventually bless the world. We, We find that promise over in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. Here here is God speaking. He says, I I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed for you. Now, now these words were part of an agreement that God made with Abraham. If Abraham would believe God and do what he wanted him to do, God would bless him. And he promises to make him a great nation. And not only would his nation, that nation, be blessed, but other nations and other people would be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. Note those last words, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through him. I believe that when God spoke those words to Abraham, he has Christ our Savior in mind, who eventually came as a descendant of Abraham to bless all people, not just the Jewish people, but Jesus came to bless all people in the world. He may have been born as a Jew. He may have lived largely among the Jewish people, but he came to bless everyone. Jesus came that any person, any person who puts their faith in him would be made right with God, just like Abraham. I mean, the Apostle Paul explains it this way in Galatians 3, 6-9. He says, in the same way Abraham believed God, so God declared him righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are all those who put their faith in God. What more, the Scriptures look forward to a time when God would accept the Gentiles, those who weren't Jews, too, on the basis of their faith. God promised this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. And so it is. All who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. We used to sing a song quite often, just a little chorus with our kids. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You start with your right arm. Well, this morning, if you have put your faith in Christ our Savior, you are, as Paul says, you are a real child of Abraham. You have received, because of your faith, the same promise, the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith, the blessing of being made right with God. Abraham was far from a perfect God. He made some big mistakes in his life. But through his faith in God, he was made righteous. He was made right before God. And in the same way, all of us, I mean, let's just admit it, we are far from perfect. We all make some big mistakes in our life. But through faith in Jesus, through faith in Christ our Savior, we can be made righteous before God. We can stand right before Him, forgiven before Him. And people, that, that's, that's good news. The third good news story is that God promised, David, God promised David a descendant who would forever rule as king. L listen to this message from God that the prophet Nathan shared with King David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 11 through 13. The Lord, is, uh, the Lord declared to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. 
When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to secede you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. In these verses, God tells David that one of his sons would rule after him. And that son would build a house for God, the temple. It was the temple that David wanted to build, but Solomon was going to build. But in the midst of that message, God promises David that he would have a dynasty of kings after him and his son. And that dynasty would eventually lead to a forever kingdom. Now again, I believe that God was speaking here about Christ our Savior. David's earthly dynasty only lasted for four more centuries. But the spiritual kingdom that that his descendant Jesus brought into the world, that that eternal kingdom of God, it's going to last forever. Remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary about the son that she and God would have. Luke 1, verses 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What God promised King David about a forever kingdom in 2 Samuel 7 is fulfilled in Jesus When he came into our world, he set up a spiritual kingdom with him as king. The the Jews mistakenly thought that their Messiah, their Christ, would would be an earthly king. Who would reestablish their nation as a world power, much as it was in the days of David and Solomon. But Christ our Savior did not come to set up a powerful physical kingdom, but a powerful spiritual kingdom. In this week's Bible reading, Jesus appears before Pilate, the governor of Judea. And Pilate asked him just a straightforward question, whether he was the king of the Jews. And I want you to hear Jesus' response. John 18 Verses 36 and 37, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus was not an earthly king. He did not come to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to set up a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual kingdom built on the truth. The truth of God and His Word. And I want you to think about this as disciples of Jesus. We are part of Jesus' forever kingdom. He's our king. And the truth, the truth of God and his word is the standard that we live by. And people, that's good news. 
That's good news. Which brings us to one last good news story. Jesus promised Isaiah a servant who would sacrificially die for our sins. In Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah describes a suffering servant. It is a picture that God gave to share with Israel and with us. And we're going to look at only one small part of that picture, but that picture clearly describes Christ our Savior. Look at Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Surely He took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't think that you can read those verses without seeing Jesus dying on the cross. God giving his son for us. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace with God. He was whipped that we might be forever healed. All of us, all of us have strayed away from God following our own path. And yet God laid on Jesus the guilt and sin of us all. On one hand, it is a sad, tragic story. And yet, on the other hand, people, this is good news. And the New Testament repeats this good news again and again. Romans 4, verse 25. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to make us right with God. I mean, just make that verse personal. Christ our Savior was handed over to die because of my sin. And he was raised from the dead to make me right with God. See, when we put our faith in Jesus, a kind of exchange happens. We give him our sin and he gives us his forgiveness and his righteousness. We could never earn these gifts. These are gifts of God's grace that come through Jesus' sacrifice that we receive through faith in Him. Hebrews 9, verse 28 puts it this way. So also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. Jesus came the first time to die as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He will come a second time to bring us as Christians into his eternal salvation. That is good news. That is good news for those of us who believe in him. But really it's good news for all people. Remember the angel's words describing Christ our Savior He said, it is good news of great joy that will be for all people. I mean, Jesus came for all people. He died for all people. All people can be saved and forgiven through him. 
But it all depends on what you and I do with Jesus, what all people do with him. We must put our faith in him and in his sacrifice and in exchange. In exchange, we receive the grace and forgiveness of God. That is good, good news. That that brings us to our practical application. I mean, what are we going to do as a result of this morning's message? Let me suggest three things. Number one, recognize how excited the shepherds were that their Messiah, Christ our Savior, had come. I mean, this was good news of great joy for them, and it's good news of great joy for us. Number two, realize the blessings that we enjoy because of the Messiah's coming. We we talked about four of them this morning, all of them good news. We have victory over death and Satan. We have righteousness that comes by faith. Not by works, but by faith. We're we're citizens, we have citizenship in, in God's kingdom. And we have the forgiveness of sins. Now again, if you're a believer, you've got all of those things. If not a believer, you can't have all of those things. And so let's join with the angels and the shepherds in rejoicing over Jesus' birth. This is still good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's take a moment and pray. Dear Father, it's been good. It's been good to share this message today. It has been good to share the good news that came that night in Bethlehem. It is good to share the good news that was received by the shepherds that night. And God, I pray that it be good news that we have received into our lives. Oh, how thankful I am today that your son came into our world. How thankful I am that he lived among us to understand us. How thankful I am that he died uh, to, to provide for our forgiveness. And that he raised to new life to give us victory over Satan and death. God, we have so much to be thankful for today. And I pray for everyone who's listening today. I pray that you'll just be at work in their lives and that this Christmas might be the most special Christmas of all if they believe in him and trust in him. And so God, work in these moments, work in our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we close this morning, I just wanted you to know that if there's anything we can do to help you in your relationship with Jesus, we'd like to do that. If, if you'd like to contact us by phone, feel free to do that. Our phone number here at the church is 217-379-4443. You can also contact us uh, through our, our, our website, uh, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. There's a place that you can contact us there, and we'll get back with you. Because it all depends, people, on what you do with Jesus, what you do with Christ, our Savior. We hope you have a great Christmas this year. We look forward to sharing with you next Sunday. And again, we invite you, if you feel safe, and we're trying to do it safely every week to meet together on Sunday morning at 1030, we'd be glad to have you worship together with us as well.
Have a great Christmas. God bless.